Uh, the scripture passage tonight is from Colossians 2. Uh, you'll notice on your bulletin there's also Psalm 1, uh, but I will, I will refer to that at the end of the message. So uh, I'm going to read from uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The word of the Lord. Uh, throughout this message, I'm going to be uh, referring to numerous uh, passages, primarily in the book of Colossians. People sometimes ask me, you know, why trees? And I've always been uh, a lover of the great outdoors, as many of you are. Love to be outside in God's creation. About 16 uh, years ago, I moved to a little Cape Cod house uh, on a, a sailor. And the house next to me uh, was uh, a, a bit run down. And uh, the backyard was completely overgrown. Uh, it was trees, it was bushes, it had no lawn, which is quite unusual for suburbia. I mean, it was that overgrown. Now, I did not want this in my yard, but I always enjoyed the forest next door. <laughs> well, then one day, a builder uh, bought the house, knocked it down, and knocked all the trees down except for two. And all of a sudden, I thought, what happened to my forest next door? I must never depend on other people's trees again. And I must learn more about trees. And uh, it was kind of weird. It just, all of a sudden, I mean, I got books on trees. I identified every tree I walked by. I began planning vacations uh, about, around trees and invited my family along on these trips. And uh, yeah, was, I started planting trees in the backyard until my wife said no more. Uh, so anyway, I, I do... Uh, just to humor me a little, I have a few pictures on trees. Just, just a few. Is that nice? Uh, I, I saw this tree farm and I thought this could be a nice prayer moment for me and got my picture of Messiah's tree farm. Uh, next one. Uh, my wife and I, it's a long story, but we got two free tickets anywhere in the continental U.S. And I said, honey, please, Sequoia National Park, please. Yes, we'll go shopping there on the trip too, but Sequoia. And uh, I was like a kid before Christmas, could not sleep. I poked her at five in the morning and said, get up, let's go. And uh, so uh, Sequoia National Park next. Uh, this is uh, the biggest uh, tree in the world by volume, General Sherman in Sequoia National Park uh, next. 
And uh, just a nice uh, scenic picture of the sequoias. Uh, next. I'm sorry my children got in the way of this picture. <laughs> my wife is constantly like, get the children in the photo. Uh, this is actually the Morton Arboretum, one of my favorite trees. It's a Miyabi maple. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, it's just a spectacular tree. And then uh, last, uh, this is when I was in Greece uh, with some Timothy students, kind of the Apostle Paul, footsteps of the Apostle Paul. And I saw this little tree. <clears throat> I just kind of like to pose with trees. It's just, you know, kind of funny thing. So anyway, all right, next. By observing trees, we can learn how to be better Christian disciples. Uh, simply what I'm going to do this evening is walk through the four seasons and with each season make a point that is true about trees and very true, importantly true, about being a Christian disciple as well. Now, some of the seasons fit with my points better than others, so, you know, give me a little uh, leeway on this, all right? Uh, so first, spring. Spring. Trees are always rooted. And uh, this next slide uh, shows uh, tree roots, which you normally don't get to see all the time, and, and here we have them. Uh, now, the next slide, uh, this, one more, just go to all three, there we are. Uh, so, for every season, I'm going to talk about trees, I'm going to look to God's word, and then I'm going to ask you a question, kind of an application for your life, and uh, I'll do this with each of the seasons. Now, roots, simply, as you know, they help anchor the tree. They help the tree to stand strong and tall during any storm. And of course, trees also provide water and nourishment. Now, your bonus tree fact for you is that trees, tree roots also absorb oxygen. Did you, did you, did you know this? I mean, usually we think uh, trees uh, take in carbon dioxide, right, the leaves, and release oxygen, which is true. But the roots also absorb oxygen as well. Uh, so obviously, roots are very important. Uh, the sequoia trees, another little interesting fact, the roots only go down 6 to 12 feet uh, below the ground, which is quite remarkable for trees that grow hundreds of feet into the air, and only 6 to, uh, six to 12 feet deep. Uh, but they also grow 50 to 80 feet out from the trunk, and they grow in groves, and so the roots intermingle with each other, thus supporting each other, which, of course, is a, is a whole sermon for another time. Um, the tallest tree in the world is 380 feet tall, a redwood in California. Now, you know our skyscraper nearby? Wait, where is it? Uh, Oakbrook Terrace Tower, yes? Oakbrook Terrace Tower is 420 feet tall. You know how it's kind of uh, angled at the top? So when you look at that building and you look at the angle, approximately at the bottom of that angle where the building goes flat, that is the approximate height of the tallest tree on earth. So next time you drive by there, kind of look and, and compare it. It's quite something. Now, roots, roots. Uh, Colossians 2, and I just recently read this. Uh, so then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted 
and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Now, how are we rooted in Jesus Christ? The Bible says it here, two things. First of all, you are committed to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the foundation of your faith, committed to Jesus Christ. But very important that you never look at this commitment as some past event in your life. For the Bible says, as you continue, continue to live your lives in him, continue to being rooted in Jesus Christ. I uh, read a devotion in uh, the little book Today in the Word. It said this, how total and comprehensive God's work of redemption is. We become new kinds of trees. Uh, We have new root systems, strong trunks, healthy canopies, and sweet fruit. It's kind of an image of being redeemed in Jesus Christ. We are rooted in Jesus, and we continue to live in him. My question then is, what are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? Being rooted in Jesus doesn't mean that you can just repeat it back to someone. This is good, but it means that we get. We we get the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the power of the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is something that shakes our hearts. And this is being rooted in Jesus Christ. Very often I have students, and I imagine there are people in this room right now, that I ask, um, or if I were to ask, how is your passion for Jesus Christ? Many students would say, oh, I want more. More passion. And then, why don't you have more? Why, why not more? And one of the reasons why is because during the week, they are rooted in messages of the world. This is what they're receiving nourishment in, receiving nourishment from the world, and then they may complain, why don't I have more, more passion for Jesus Christ? I was at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, and uh, you know they have name tags, Bob, my passion is golf. Okay, that's, that's fine. Nice marketing thing, you know. Okay. Uh, and it just got me thinking. Uh, yeah, sure, it's easy to say my passion is for Jesus Christ, but is this something that is our heartbeat, something that is with us every day, and we find our nourishment in Jesus Christ? Trees are rooted, firmly rooted. We, as disciples of Jesus Christ, need to be firmly rooted in Jesus. Summer. Trees are always growing. Trees are always growing. And uh, picture, uh, this is the aspen tree in my backyard uh, that is thriving. Uh, It grows a lot each summer. And uh, the next picture, this is from Door County in Wisconsin. Two years ago, I'd always wanted to go to Door County. I have my little kind of bucket list for the Midwest of trees, and this was one, and uh, so peaceful, walking through this forest in the summer with the green and the growth. Summer, trees are always growing. Now, every spring, there is new growth. 
However, for trees, oh, summer is the season for growth. And as long as a tree is alive, it is always growing. Think about that. That is why when you cut down a tree, you can tell its age by the rings. Why? Because it is always growing. Every summer, it adds new wood, a new ring of growth. The ends of the branches, every spring and summer, there, there are new leaf buds, new tips that grow out of the end of the branches. Trees are always growing. Now, I told you General Sherman was the biggest tree by volume on planet Earth. Now, the biggest organic mass is an aspen grove in Utah. Now, there are some scientists that think the biggest organic mass is a fungus in the Pacific Northwest. Really, a fungus? Anyway, I, okay, I'm just, I just want full disclosure. Not all scientists believe that, some, some do. Uh, but many scientists believe the biggest organic mass is an aspen grove, and uh, the reason why is because it, it, it's the Pando Grove in Utah, and it is 100 acres with approximately 47,000 trees, and it is all the same root system. It's like one tree grew, then sent its roots out, grew another tree, another tree, and it just kept growing, spreading over 100 acres. Trees always growing. Colossians 1, 9 to 11. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. What is one way to define your spiritual growth? That you know God more. And it keeps on going through our whole life. At uh, Timothy Christian High School, the sophomores have a, have a course called Mod Comp. Back in my day, it was speech class. So uh, let's say uh, Megan was assigned a speech, information speech. Sorry. And uh, her speech was on the President of the United States. Uh, so she does research. She gets some books uh, in, in order to make it contemporary, reads some newspaper articles, does online research, paper research. She gets this all together on President Obama, and it's her day. She gets up to give her speech, and uh, she gets an A. It's a great speech. Um, now, at that moment, she knows more about the President than any other student in that room. But does she really know the president? No, because there's not a relationship there. We can know intellectually a lot about God, and that is good. But Almighty God is a God who knows us by name, a personal God, a God that seeks to reveal himself to us and be known. We like to use the word relationship, to know. The Bible says to grow is to grow in the knowledge of God. 
how are you growing in faith? How are you growing in faith? Do you know if the Apostle Paul were here tonight? Well, I would not be preaching. But if the Apostle Paul were here tonight listening to this message, and I said, and how are you growing in faith? He would say, good question. I need that question for my life. The Apostle Paul, perhaps one of the most mature disciples of Jesus ever. And he said, oh, but I press on. How much more do I, do you need to grow in the knowledge of God and to know God more? Always be growing. And you know the temptation. The temptation is to grow, grow, and then say, I feel comfortable with my level of commitment. I feel fairly comfortable with my spiritual uh, maturity, that this is good. Well, that's good. But God calls us to continue to grow, just like trees are always growing. Um, Autumn, trees are always giving. Trees are always giving. And uh, just uh, pretty leaves I took in in autumn. And uh, the next picture... Now, this picture actually I took in the summer at a uh, pick-your-own-cherries in Door County, and I was very happy for this place. They said, eat as many as you want. We'll just you know, weigh the ones in your bucket afterwards. So I guilt-free just you know, snacking there as you pick the cherries. But there's a point I want to make uh, with, with fruit here. All right, so autumn. Trees are always giving. Let me briefly or quickly list the ways trees are beneficial to us. They clean the air, provide oxygen, conserve energy, save water, prevent water pollution, prevent soil erosion, provide food, provide wood, heal, reduce violence, mark the seasons, provide habitats for wildlife, and increase your property value. Yes, this is good plant trees, okay? I came across uh, uh, this quote by a guy named Evan Coons. If you ask me, the best way to think about work is to think about trees. Yes, trees. Consider, for example, the apple tree. Does an apple tree hoard the fruit of its labor? Does it call the police when we scale its limbs or breathe its air? Hopefully and thankfully not. Its nature is to give in a way It was not created for itself, but for us. Its very existence is service. Similarly, God created us in his image to work, to create, and to serve. Our work is not merely about us. And and work here means profession, occupation, uh, home life, church work, whatever, just Big picture work here. Our work is not about us. The fruit of our labor is meant for the needs and desires of others. And so Colossians 1.10, I just read this uh, uh, previously, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit in every good work. Colossians 3.12 helps us to understand what some of the fruit is that God wants us to, to produce. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now remember, good works are the fruit, not the root. It's very important for the gospel. The root is Jesus Christ. We are rooted in Jesus. And the natural consequence of being rooted in Jesus Christ is that we grow. And as we grow, just like a tree, we naturally produce fruit. The question for your life is, do you live to give? Do you live to give, and how do you do that? Of course, every day we are tempted to live for ourselves. But think about this. The very nature of God is giving. The mission of Jesus Christ is giving. And the call of the church of Christian disciples is to give. Do you live to give? And how is that displayed in your life each day? Autumn, trees are always giving. And then lastly, winter. Trees are always hopeful. Hopeful. Uh, this is a picture from my backyard. Does anybody know what twig this is in winter? It is a, it is a redbud tree. I took this when all the leaves were off. You stand back, you look at that tree, it appears dead. Now, of course, I'm talking about deciduous trees here, right, that lose their leaves. Uh, but in winter, you look at the tree, you're like, oh, it looks dead. I mean, obviously, we know it isn't. It's in a dormant stage. Uh, but nobody told me this, you know, when I was young. Really, uh, You need to go observe trees in the winter. Look at them closely. For instance, the redbud tree... Those aren't leaf buds. Those are the flower buds for the spring. And I love going out and looking at that in winter, saying, this tree gets hope. It is ready for warmer temperatures and the beauty of spring and, and ready for flowers. But it must endure the winter. Yet through the winter, there is that symbol of hope all through the wintertime. Trees are always hopeful. Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. The mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Colossians 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, returns, then you also will live with him in glory. There is always hope for a disciple of Jesus Christ. No matter what kind of winter a person is going through, whether, whether, the, win whether, yeah, yes, whether the winter lasts this long or this long, there is always hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Hope is joyous expectation. And so the question for your life is, how does hope affect your life?
How does hope affect your life? You know, I have had some, some very deep prayer requests in my life that I, I have cried out to God for. And I have had prayer requests answered. Wow. Just amazing. Thank you, Lord. And I have, I have other prayer requests that to this day I continue to pray. I have not seen an answer the way I would like to, but I pray with hope because in Jesus Christ there is hope. Sometimes we must endure for a long time, trusting that a new season will eventually come. Trees, discipleship. When you uh, think about the Bible, Genesis 2.9 begins with a tree, the tree of life. The Bible ends, Revelation 22.2, with the tree of life. In the middle of the Bible, we have the longest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms. And uh, when the editors put the book of Psalms together, uh, they chose Psalm 1 as the introduction to this book. Psalm 1 wasn't written first. It was put as, as Psalm 1. And what is the theme of Psalm 1? The theme is life. It is life. And how is life described in Psalm 1? But those who delight in God's law and meditate on God's law day and night, that person is going to be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers a flourishing life. My friends, as, as we continue to journey in life together, may we always be rooted in Jesus. Never, never stop growing. May we be people that give, live to give, and may we be always hopeful. And as we do, we will stand strong and tall in this world for the glory of God. Amen.